0: Welcome to another episode of Inside Golden State Politics. I'm Bill Boyarski, the former city editor and columnist for the Los Angeles Times.
1: And I'm Sherry Bebich Jeffy, political analyst and self-styled media maiden, coming to you from a state of pure bewilderment. Why is it so difficult for police to use a taser, a really Accurately use a taser and not a gun on a 13-year-old boy or a 16-year-old girl. I'm still shaking from this week's events. Over to you, Bill. Well,
0: shaking is a good reaction, uh, Sherry. What was your reaction to the uh, Minneapolis verdict?
1: First, stunned silence, almost disbelief. Particularly because not only was Chauvin found guilty, he was found guilty in, on all three counts. Then, when I realized what had happened, I finally exhaled. I finally, at least for a moment, thought maybe this really is a turning point. Maybe this will reactivate concern over police reform and even. Quite frankly, police behavior. I'm not so optimistic today. That's my reaction, Bill.
0: Well, my reaction was one of relief. I was nervous, having uh, you know been a reporter and a writer when the uh, verdict came down for the police officers accused of uh, and caught on video of beating up uh, Rodney King. When that when when that came in, and then I was also. Uh, worried about the fact that they hadn't discussed it for more than 10 hours and that reminded mm. me of the uh, another uh, event that I covered the OJ trial where the uh, jury only was out for for 3 hours so all these things were running through my mind and of course the possibility that if they found this guy not guilty strong possibility of rioting and so when the jury came in and I heard the first guilty relief, relief, and then uh, the second and third relief, not disbelief, but just saying, my God, uh, this jury really listened to this. Uh, And then I thought about the marvelous case that the prosecution under the attorney general put on. And what they did was, uh, well, of course, they they had the video.
1: That was critical, don't you think?
0: Uh, That was critical. That young woman who was and will always be a heroine on this. And not only that, they took that and that was the centerpiece. But what they did was essential to any kind of criminal trial. They told a story. And they told the story from beginning to end. And they had all of the gripping eyewitness accounts up at the beginning. And then they moved into the more scientific accounts uh, later on, which, uh, oh, and they had, the, they had the devastating, and this is something we have to think about, police chief and other high-ranking officers didn't cover up, for, didn't cover, do the usual blue silence on this. The culture did not prevail. The culture did not prevail. And then finally, uh, the devastating evidence, of the, the physical scientific evidence, and there was that uh, marvelous Irish lung specialist who spoke in a, it was like going to a, a really great lecture, uh, you know, it was just really good. And they added up, and I thought, that's pretty damn good. The, uh, the jury listened and uh, came to what, what I thought was uh, clearly the right decision.
1: You know, something going back to the Rodney King case, something that I, I found interesting was how much more power video has today. There was a videotape of the Rodney King beating, and it did play a role in the trial, but the verdicts were different. The the focus of the media, and I think s- to some extent the gen- general public, was a bit different, a bit more long term intense. Why do you think that is?
0: Well, I, I think you have to credit the skill of the large prosecution team. You know, this was not uh, this was not your usual prosecution of police officers. This one was went much different usually when i don't remember the exact makeup of the uh, uh, prosecution of the police officers in the uh, rodney king beating cake but it, i know that it didn't mask didn't equal the massive team that uh, uh, ellison the attorney general of minnesota put together there you had you had a lot of really skilled lawyers coming in not only uh not only uh on stage, but behind the scenes and prepping the witnesses. And uh, so much of this was preparation and presentation. And and I think that had a lot to do with, uh, with the uh, public's uh, perception of it. Of, of course, uh, the idea of video is being so important now. However, you know, the George Holiday tape of the beating itself was – Shown around the world, it was. I mean, it was over and over and over on uh, television, not only in the United States but but around the world. I think that the perception and the strength of the arguments really swayed uh, public opinion on this.
1: Let Let me add something to that. I think um, we we need to look at the important role of the media, of technology, you know, of smartphones, if you will, in allowing us now to see the frequency of these police shootings in a way that Rodney King, because we didn't have 24-7 cable, because we didn't have the internet, um, because we didn't have the immediacy of video that we now have, Today, the Rodney King meeting was more looked on as and was, for many, an isolated incident. Today, that, that incident would no longer be isolated. We have access to the frequency by which these actions occur, and it adds to the visibility And it adds to the message and the questions that arise from that kind of behavior. I kind of think that um, that's one thing that um, the Internet, that camera phones have done to help move the question of these actions to the front of Ordinary citizens and their contemplation of what's gone wrong in policing.
0: Well you can just you can just see it you know the uh, young woman the, the girl who was uh, shot uh, in Columbus right away well that was the Columbus Police Department uh, put it put it out and right away you could see it and see it and over and over and over again. You know the uh, fact that the Columbus Police Department put this out—the the officers' body cam recording of of that tragic event—shows something about uh, what's happening with policing. You know the uh, Columbus was wouldn't have done this a few years ago. This they're under they were under uh, court order to reform their department, and that brings up the whole point that we've been talking about, and everyone has. What next? Where do we go from here?
1: That's it. That is the question. We'll, quote, reform, end quote, so-called save the day. Where do we go from here? I mean, you go first. I have some ideas.
0: I was reminded, and I always think about, Los Angeles Police Department, which for, I think, 12 or 13 years was under what they cons- called a consent degree. The federal government had sued the Los Angeles Police Department around 2000 uh, for the conduct of its gang squad uh, in the Rampart Division. And the gang squad had uh, faked evidence, had extorted yeah. people, had uh, had beaten up people, uh, you know, had acted like the gangs that they were supposed to uh, police. And it went on for a long time. We had, uh, at the times, we had two really fine young reporters, uh, Matt Late and uh, Scott Glover, who had had heard of and known of the theft of some drugs from a police locker. And it was the kind of story that was not a major story, but they knew there was something more. And they kept digging and digging and digging into the conduct of, uh, of the anti-gang squad in the Rampart Division they were supplemented by uh, other reporters and uh, put together a team that was under the uh, direct uh, leadership of the uh, then city county bureau chief Tim Rutton and they kept getting story after story in the paper these powerful powerful stories and i think that had a i think the media the way we played the stories the way the way they were on page 1 so often uh, i think that had a lot to do with the uh, Federal government stepping in. And as the dean of the UC Berkeley Law School, Erwin Chemerinsky, uh, wrote in the Times uh, just recently, it's a consent decree. The city consents to uh, these conditions laid out by the federal government resulted in huge, big, major reforms in the Los Angeles Police Department, which was, uh, you know, a long time disgrace to policing. And this really reformed. I was so uh, proud to uh, be associated with that uh, marvelous effort. And I I said, I felt that um, when the year was out, we didn't win the Pulitzer Prize for our Rampart coverage, And I thought we should have won it. But I said to uh, Tim Rutten, the uh, bureau chief, I said, well, we didn't win the Pulitzer Prize, which we should have won but we we did something finer we got the consent decree which mm. is reforming the los angeles police department
1: a question though and, and and this is what concerns me um we're hearing similar criticisms of uh police actions in los angeles today in the wake of these major reforms um, i don't see That reform in and of itself, no matter how sweeping, no matter how firm, is the answer. The post-crisis reform, I guess, I'm talking about. You can't stop there. It's not enough, I don't think. Uh, you got to get... You, you got to get deeper, you got to go back to the beginning. We're back again talking, I think, about leadership, about the police culture, about the distrust that ordinary people have these days in the police. Um, sure, we had a, a, a good run that the consent decree lasted over a decade, it's still, and there no, have been studies, still- right? Wait, there have been studies that indicate that in Los Angeles, as well as other major cities that have had consent decrees, there has been a decrease in fatalities among citizens, in in, uh, abuse cases being raised. But once the decrees are lifted, things tend to go back to, I'm afraid, we might call something we might call normal. I'm sorry, go right ahead.
0: One of the things that uh consent decree or reforms changes in the law can't really change. It has to be changed as you say from the very top and 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 that's the culture of policing, the idea that you know when a police officer puts on the blue that he or she adopts the mores and of colleagues and that's that's pretty deep, and nobody's really figured out how to do that except uh,
1: that's scary. Except
0: by better recruiting, and except by certain changes in the law, like, um, for instance, the uh, police reform bill that that's passed the House and is pending in the Senate. That was uh, introduced by uh, the Vice President and by Karen Bass. Who uh, learned about the Los Angeles Police Department as a community worker on the streets of South LA? There's nothing she you can tell her about it. She knows the whole story. Mm-hmm. And and then the the question of whether will that pass and what exactly will it do?
1: Well, that that's the question with every policy. And the thing that concerns me is that you know. It's reality that 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 in a representative democracy, public policy moves when and if it moves at all, I guess, in response to a crisis. We're seeing we've seen it so many times. In the end. Will there be legislation or will the public concern lessen? Will there be another crisis, an issue? that uh, makes the Congress look away from this dicey issue to fight yet another issue? Will there be roadblocks put up, particularly by Republicans who still might have, uh, well, they have a worry about their very conservative base. And although the NRA, for example, is not nearly as strong as it once was, it still does have a slight role in Republican primaries um do do things just stop yet again and nothing is accomplished i know california california has been in the forefront of of serious technical shall we say mechanical police reform such as uh redefining use of force such as uh banning chokeholds is that enough even when legislation is passed, let alone when it looks like the the federal legislation, unless the Democrats in the Senate can keep it together, may not pass and may not pass if it passes at its strength and as a broad policy as it must be.
0: Well, what it, was it uh, Rahm Emanuel, the uh, former mayor of Chicago and the uh, great uh, Democratic politician, was it he who said, never let a crisis I, go to waste? That's right.
1: <laughs> In bet. every crisis, there is an opportunity, but that opportunity has to be taken. And And here's another thing that concerns me, and it, this goes back to uh, Mayor Eric Garcetti of LA's recent budget. He is actually slightly increasing the, the money, for the police force that's okay and that has to do with recruiting and other things however you just can't throw money at a problem and assume that problem is going to go away it's another thing that that worries me about um the federal legislation you just it's it's not that simple
0: i've never seen it
1: happen i've never seen it happen
0: well it's not that simple there is a reform act that's now before the senate and one of the issues involved in that involves immunity the immunity of police officers to uh, lawsuits in other words a cop beats up somebody and in the course of an arrest or whatever and uh, the person who is beaten up would like to sue the police officer for damages whatever. Uh, Under the law today, uh, the police officer is immune from such lawsuits. And the legislation that's before the Senate now would modify that immunity and make the police officer liable for for a lawsuit and having to pay damages of, I think it's up to $25,000. Now, this is Mm. unacceptable to the republicans except for senator scott of south carolina who is the only african american republican senator he's he and karen bass who represents as i said uh, los angeles part of los angeles my
1: congresswoman
0: your congresswoman mine too and um, they're working, they're working on something. So uh, without getting too deep into the weeds, rather than lifting all immunity from police officers, make it possible for me, after having gotten beaten up, I could, I could sue the police department or the city rather than the police officers. Now, this is the compromise they're working on, in addition to some other things. Is there enough impetus from these uh, one shooting after another coming in, you know, really in rapid succession? Is, is there enough to influence the Senate Republicans to uh, compromise? I, I don't know. You know, if I were covering the Senate, maybe I would, instead of sitting here locked up in the House watching whatever version I get on cable television. I might know more than I do right now but I couldn't tell you what's what's going to happen. I did hear Karen Bass, who I've known a long time, talk about this yesterday. She is a she's a very optimistic person and she was talking as if there was some grounds for compromise between her and and the Republicans. I just don't know.
1: I don't know Either, I think, though, that it stuns me that, uh, particularly the Republicans, and a couple of Democrats in the Senate, are are very hesitant, particularly about removing uh, qualified immunity at a point where there seems to be a, a solid public opinion in favor of police reform and a an, uh, uh, and a concern about where we are with regard to what has been happening and what appears to be happening in a, in a very short, condensed period of time. Although we do have to remember that I have a feeling that stuff like this has happened with not the same kind of attention that these events now have. And we've talked about it. And this is a result of where we are today with regard to access to the media, with, regard to access of other tellings of events than simply those of the, of the police. Um, I wish I were as optimistic as you are. That- I'm not
0: optimistic. I, I'm not optimistic. I'm saying the truth. I'm a, I'm like your average American. I sit here and watch cable television. Now, you know, and I know That that's not really the best way to learn something about whether it's going to pass. And I'm not optimistic. I just quoted a Congress person who represents you, who happens to be an optimistic person, and she's seen enough. She's also a
1: pragmatist. She is very pragmatic in the way that she approaches policy, and that's a positive, quite frankly. She's a pragmatic politician. Well, I've always thought
0: it was. I I always thought that was a quality about her that uh, I always admired. You know, uh, we've got to say uh, something really important has happened in this front. Elections have consequences. And the election of Joe Biden as president of the United States resulted in his appointment of Merrick Garland as attorney general of the United States. Mm -hmm. Garland has... Reinstituted policy of the Justice Department investigating allegations of uh, corruption and brutality by local police departments, and it uh, began its first one was uh, is an investigation of the uh, Minneapolis Police Department, and uh, he said there'll be more to come. In other words, the federal government is now stepping in, and uh, and that is a huge, huge. Uh, development, I think.
1: Why do you think it's a huge, huge development, and is it enough?
0: Well, it's not enough. Nothing is enough. Mm -hmm. Nothing is enough, but as uh, uh, Professor Chemerinsky pointed out, it means that an outside force, and he said, there'll be no reform of police departments unless a powerful outside force steps in. What this means is that a powerful outside force is stepping in and is going to look at these police departments where there, uh, where there's been brutality, or corruption, uh, racism, all of that, and that is that is was huge. Is it a cure all? No, it's certainly not a cure all, but it's a pretty damn big first step.
1: Well, at least I think too, and again, I I'm, I'm just so concerned that will write it off. Okay, the feds are now involved. Let's go on to other things. But it they have money. They have the resources to be able at least to structure guidelines for procedure and behavior. And that's no small thing. And it also sends a message to um, those citizens who have, have been uh, the victims of police brutality or uneven meeting of justice shall we say that there is somebody that is looking out for them that may up to a point have their back and that's better than nothing
0: you know then all the laws uh and all the investigations are not going to change uh, what's at the heart of uh of these uh Police shootings. Uh, as, as we look at the toll of the last few days, uh, there was a, uh, a Latino boy who was uh, killed in Chicago, mm-hmm. and the rest—the uh, rest of the victims uh, have been African American. At Racism, least the
1: ones we know about.
0: At least the ones we and know about. And that's an
1: important point, quite frankly.
0: So we live with the uh, great uh, curse of American society one that just inflicts so many people, and that is that is the curse of racism.
1: Systemic racism. It's, uh, yeah. Well, we'll be talking about this more. I'm afraid so.
0: Yeah. So we'll see you uh, next, next week. Next week.